right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Hey. And today is National Signing Day for KU football and all of the teams across the country. Today's what? National Signing Day. And you know, I, I, uh, what's up? I've always thought it was so different because obviously we, we experienced this with KU basketball where they're living in the, the upper ends of the recruits. They're bringing in the top, you know, five stars and the top sure. prospects. Yeah. For football, this, this is an unbelievable class and it is for KU, but it's wild if you like, cause this doesn't happen in basketball. On no. signing day, you have like all these kids flipping and going from being committed for six months to, you know, Florida to going to Texas or six months at uh, Georgia to going to Alabama or something like that. It's crazy. And we don't we don't get that. At, uh, we, we don't really experience that because we're not on that level, nor uh, does that really happen in basketball. But uh, today's an absolutely wild day. And I'm glad that um, <laughs> today is not really like that for KU because everybody like signed in the morning. Yeah. And uh, they also got a transfer edition last night. Let's start right there. Uh, we're going to talk all about this. We're going to have some uh, cool audio with some of the uh, past interviews we did with some of the players committed. Henry Greenstein is going to join us at 3.40, and we are out at 5.15 today because of uh, a Hawk Talk that we're going to air from 5.15 to 6.15. 6.15, KU Nebraska pregame coverage will start for the KU women's basketball team later tonight. Uh, we're brought to you by 23rd Superbury. But uh, Dylan Woodkey is a transfer defensive end from Youngstown State. Did you determine if it was Woodkey, Woodkey? I did not. Okay. It's spelled W-U-D-K-E. So yeah. it could be Woodkey. You could easily convince me it's like Woodkey. How much wood could a Woodkey chuck if a Woodkey ch- could yeah. chuck wood? It's like Woodkey, Woodkey. Yeah, and there's there's not like the mm. pronunciation for it, at least on the thing. Any, any chance that the, the E is like long, so it's like Wood K? <laughs> or Wood K? Could it be a German pronunciation where the W is like a V? Wood. Woodkey. Woodkey. <laughs> I don't know. We need to get on top of this. Anyway, uh, if we if we do get an official word on that, we'll we'll try to let you know. Anyway, uh, he it was at Youngstown State last year, and he will be a sixth year player this year. So you know you bring him in for a one year guy. Obviously, that tells you your expectations are for him to play a big role on the team right away. Uh, he's got good size, uh, two hundred sixty five pounds. You know, six foot four, six foot five. And a uh, really good run defender. He had a 78 grade as a run defender from Pro Football Focus. Kind of all-around player, 70 pass rush. But I think the best thing about him was kind of the run defense. So uh, defensive end right now is a position that is, I would say, up in the air. We're still waiting on decision from Austin Booker. I guess hypothetically waiting on a decision from, like, Jeremy Robinson. Yep. Um, and you do have some other defensive ends, like a couple of the freshmen we're going to talk about here as part of the class. Uh, you have guys like, I don't know, Dylan Brooks, Davion Westmoreland, who are kind of waiting in the wings at this point. Um, but it's nice to have you, – you can never have enough pass rush. You can never have enough on the defensive end and uh, or on the defensive line, and uh, this is a nice pickup for, uh, for, yep. for KU. And if we follow Lance Leipold's logic of kind of what he said, where it's a one-in, one-out situation, you lost Gage Keys off your D-line, you know, bring another D-lineman, 
from uh, in the form of Wedke. You could lose more potentially on that D-line, so I'm sure KU's not done looking at, at other possible options for the D-line, but yeah, it makes sense. You know, that's a position that, that KU very aggressively went to fill last season, and you know they're, they lose Dylan, they're going to lose Dylan Phillips, they're going to lose some other guys in the middle of the D-line, so I, I expect they're going to continue to be looking uh, in the D, on the D-line for more options. And uh, furthermore, I had mentioned that uh, if KU got Dylan Woodkey, Woodkey from Youngstown State, that that may be the final straw for me to go purchase some Youngstown State uh, apparel. Have and you done uh, that? I think I'm going to have to. Yeah, I think I will. Okay. I think I will. I think I'll Christmas wait. Christmas present and, to yeah, yourself. Exactly. Yep. A little Christmas present to myself. I'm going to be getting myself some Youngstown State uh, apparel. So. I, uh, okay, what is this? Why Penguins. is this on Amazon Web Services? What What is going on over there? I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know why this is on that, uh, but that has a name pronunciation. For Dylan Woodkey, it does Woodkey, it is Woodkey. But see, this this doesn't. I hate when the pronunciation guide is like you can tell somebody wrote it in a way that they think, but it's not like descriptive for everyone else. Okay, because this is the pronunciation guide. Okay, W O O E D dash key. So Woodkey, was that Wooed? Wooed? No, it's Wood. W-O-O-D? Then why would they not just spell it in the pronunciation guide? Wood. What? What are you talking about? So I, was it spelled W O O D Woodkey? No, they spelled it in the pronunciation guide W O O E D dash key. Oh, there's an E in there. Yes. Oh, I didn't hear you say that first. Yeah. So the it's Wooed key. So Wooed key. But there's Wooed no. Key? But that's not in the actual spelling of the name. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't help me at all. We're, we're just going to have to get it from uh, somewhere else. Might have to table that conversation. That's what I'm saying. Why would you write a pronunciation guide where... I think it's probably just Woodkey. That's what I'm going I'm with. I'm thinking it's Woodkey. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nice pickup. Nonetheless, adds to the defense. And yeah. uh, I, oh, but, I think, and also an experienced player, right? Yes. An experienced player. A guy who has experience. I think ceiling, he ends up being a starter. I think the floor is that he ends up playing like a Hayden Hatcher, Patrick Joyner role where he's rotating yeah. in. Either yeah, way, I mean, playing. it's clear for KU that... When they're going into the portal, they're looking for guys that they know can contribute and guys that have it. Like, there's really kind of two different, I think, ways you can look at the portal. You can go for like maybe more of your home run hitter types, where guys that you think maybe might be uh, a guy that has a high upside, but maybe it, let's see if it pans out. Versus guys that you know are going to have a high floor and be contributors right away. Woodkey definitely follows in that second category as a player that it seems like he has a high floor. Uh, for what he wants to do and is an experienced player, and KU can bring him in and, and utilize him right away. Now that brings us to the recruiting class that signed today. KU had 16 commits coming into the day uh, that were already committed to the program, most of those committed over the course of the summer, and all of them signed on the dotted line. So there were no fireworks. There was none of the flipping. There was none of, uh, yeah. did this guy end up going somewhere else? KU did flip someone else, not that this was a huge surprise because it was the son of Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator, Graydon Grimes, who was uh, their one late addition here, so 17 in total. And Graydon Grimes was previously a Baylor as a tight end. Uh, now he comes in. He's listed here for KU on their release he's a as big a dude. defensive end. Yeah, he's a big dude. Yeah, 6'6", six, six, 230. And yeah. uh, one of the things that Lance Leipold said in the, the press conference today, which I don't think we'll have time for that today because it's a short show, but we'll get it to you tomorrow. Um you don't turn down length. It's hard to turn down length. He was like, we don't have enough of that in the program. And it doesn't guarantee that you're going to play. It doesn't guarantee you're going to be the best player for the job. But it helps when you can have that length and it gives you more potential there. So yeah. you had another defensive end. This is just overall, though, big picture. This is a excellent recruiting class for KU. Yeah. Um, 
I, I went together and, and put some stuff up about how this KU football recruiting class compares to past classes. And if you're just looking at the overall ranking, because I think right now they're like 46. Yeah, 45. You know, maybe 46. that doesn't blow you away. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, if, if you're 45, 46, and you have a great development staff, maybe that turns into like basically the equivalent of top 20, top 25, right? Yeah. But, you know, the, the overall rank isn't going to blow you away. Uh, there have been other years that KU's ranked in the 40s, that they've ranked in the 50s, low 60s. The, um, I guess, number, the, the pure quantity of, I guess, four stars and three stars, it's good, but it's still not going to blow you away, right? Because depending on where you look, it's three, four, five, four stars, something like that. But the reason it's not going to blow you away is because a lot of past classes, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago, we're 20, 25, 30 kids in a class. And this one's only 17 because of the way that scholarships are used now because of the transfer portal. You're just going to have less. Yeah. So it's one thing to be like, oh, well, you know, this class has five top 800 kids in it on the 24-7 composite. Well, they had five uh, top 800 kids in the class of 2014. They did that then too. But guess what? The class of 2014 had 30 kids committed. This one has 17. And so that's what's impressive about this. It really is the ultimate measure of that saying quality over quantity. Yeah. They have 10 top 1,000 commits in the 24-7 composite. That means the percentage of their commitments that are top 1,000 is about 59% of the class. The 24-7 sports era begins in 2010 with recruiting classes. Last year, they were 43%. No other year were they above 40% except for 2011. Every other year, 33% or below. But the last two years, 43%, now 59%. You look at the number of prospects who are graded as basically an 86 or better on the 24-7 composite. So 0. .8600 or better. 14 of the 17 commits. That means that 82% of KU's commits in this class are 86 or better. And what is the significance of that? I mean, it's kind of a, a arbitrary number to say the least, but it's one that certainly sticks out when you're looking at past classes because uh, if 82% of KU's kids are, are 86 or better this year, last year it was 64%. Both those would be your two tie, tie, or top two highest marks since 2010. The third best on that mark, you would think, okay, 82% to 64%. What's the third highest mark, like 50%? No, the third highest mark is 33%. So I say this again. You could argue in the 24-7 sports era, going back to 2010, this is the best quality of player, quality of recruit, quality of high school class that KU has ever brought in. And when you think about what Lance Leipold was billed as coming in, he's billed as a, as a program builder, a, a talent, a guy that can develop talent. Well, when you are raising the level of talent that you're already starting with to develop, that should only further excite you about what a staff with Lance Leipold and, and they what they can do with guys like this, right? Uh, you know, the comparison would be a guy like Isaiah Marshall, quarterback for Kansas. Isaiah Marshall coming to Kansas right now as a, as a true freshman for this class of 2024 – he might be where Jalen Daniels was two, as a sophomore, right? So you're getting him basically two years earlier in his, his development at that level already, and now he's coming into your program to develop even further. There's a lot to be excited about with that because Lance Leipold, what he's known for, the development side, and the fact that now he's be able to bring in guys that are at an elevated talent already to begin with that he can mold and, and, and put in his system and, and use and execute at a high level. It's, it's, it's really impressive to see. It's really impressive to see. And it shouldn't be surprising that Lance Leipold's staff uh, is 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 a staff that's looking for quality over quantity, right? They're they're guys that clearly 
they have a blueprint for success. They have a process of how they want to find guys. And the biggest thing is there are a number of guys in this class for Kansas that you alluded to, Derek, that have been committed to KU since June, July, right? And some of those guys have significantly shot up recruiting boards, have really, really picked up a lot of traction nationally. And guess what? They stayed with Kansas. They stuck with Kansas. A guy like Deshaun Warner goes to a, a four-star top 150 recruit on some sites. Offers from Michigan, Ohio State. He stuck with Kansas. A guy like Dak Brinkley, who was also rising up a lot of boards, stuck with Kansas. So not only is it that you got guys committed early, you know, this is not, this is not, uh, oh, Jamar Chase was committed to KU for a week. You know, this is not that, okay? Yeah. These are dudes that committed to KU. They saw what Kansas was building, literally and metaphorically, because they're building a new stadium. And, uh, and, and they liked what they saw. They liked the process of what Lance Leipold is doing. And even when they did maybe start to get more notoriety, those guys saw what KU was doing and said, no, I'm, I'm sticking with these guys. Mm-hmm. Harris Nutley had an offer from, from Oklahoma. His hometown school. Right there, yes. And Grew up with, an OU fan. Stuck with Kansas. So, and, and, you know, sometimes for some recruits, that can mean a lot where, you know, the school that was with you from the beginning, that believed in you in the beginning, you know, before some of the other big schools maybe came in, that can that can impact a lot of recruits and that's maybe the case for some of these guys, but also maybe the case that some of these guys realize, hey, I have a chance to, to be a part of, of something really, really special. Be a part of this new era that's been talked about now by Kansas for a couple of years now. I have a part to, to I have an opportunity to have my hand in that in continuing to build the program. So it's it's awesome to see. It's great to see. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely something to be very, very excited about for Kansas football now and uh, going forward in the future. Yeah, and I think you. Uh, th- there was a quote that was going around today that some people were like, "What does that mean?" Um, and I, I, I don't totally know to be honest with you, but this is my assumption of it. So I'm going to share that right now. Um, There's a question at the press conference to Lance Leipold about how the class kind of came together, and one of the things that that he said was, "I know how it didn't come together." And then there's kind of a pause and a laugh. Um, I I'm taking that as he's saying this class did not come together from just nil money. This did not come together from promising these kids this much NIL money and all this stuff. The way that I view, I, I don't know this for a fact, but the way that I kind of am under the assumption of how this staff and how Lance Leipold treats the NIL game is that they're going to take care of the players that they have on campus, but you have to like be on the team. It. You have to you got to earn it. You got to work hard. You got to you know practice hard. And do all been, those things. Listen, right? that's been his message ever yeah. since he got here. And so you're going to get paid NIL. Like, if you come aboard and do your stuff, you're going to get paid NIL. That's not a question. It's just you have to earn it, like you said. So I, I don't think it's like a, a that. And, and I don't think he was necessarily, like, throwing any one specific school or, or something under the bus. I think he was more so just saying, like, industry-wide, that has become a thing with a lot of these other schools. It's not every school, but it's a lot of these other schools who that's all that they're – it's almost a house of cards if you think about it because we saw what happened with Texas A&M. They brought in uh, what was like one of the greatest recruiting classes that people were saying ever on paper. Obviously, it didn't you know pan out that way. Um, and, and the rumor was the, the millions of dollars they spent on the recruiting class. The reason that's a house of cards is because what happens if things aren't going as well? What happens if one of those NIL checks doesn't clear? What happens if you want more money? That's not a good ba- you know th- that's not a good foundation. It's like you're starting a relationship with a bad foundation. Sure. This is starting a relationship in an organic way. This is starting in, in, in kind of a right way for Kansas. So I, I think uh, – I, I just thought that was interesting. I wanted to share kind of my, my thoughts on that. Yeah. I um, think for, for Lance Leipold and his staff, it's clear that they're they're making NIL a supplemental priority. Yes. Where it's it, – NIL is, is not the number one thing. It's not the number one most important thing. 
What's most important is what 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 opportunities are you going to have, and how are you going to earn those opportunities, and how are you going to, to to work to improve the program? And then the NIL comes along with that, right? But it's not, oh, here's the NIL dangling in front of you first. Hopefully, attracts you to get you know. And then so I I I, yeah. I agree with what you said. I think I think it's pretty clear that that's how that's how KU is approaching it, and I think how KU is approaching it is probably a much safer uh, avenue, right? It's it maybe it's not as flashy, and you're not going to get you know big time guys, but to, to attract well, them with the money, couple. yeah, to attract yeah. them with the money, but it'll be other reasons. So uh, it, just uh, briefly here, uh, I just have a couple superlatives. Uh, we'll have to be short on this because we have to get out of here uh, quickly. Uh, best player, uh, l- let's just each take a different one. I, I know neither one of us are, you know, film buffs and studying all the film and tape of all these guys, but just from what we've read, what we talked to other people, for you know, maybe if you have seen some highlights, which I have on, on a lot of these players, uh, best player for you from this class. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a pretty clear top two. Uh, Deshaun Warner and Isaiah Marshall. Yep. I'll, I'll just take Deshaun Warner. I mean, he's the guy that has really blown up. Uh, four-star player, best best recruit in this class for KU. One of the better recruits that KU's had ever. Uh, top 150 player at the defensive end position. Uh, really, really impressive stuff from him. Michael Swain from 247 Sports had a comp for him of Dorrance Armstrong. And, and I think actually... Uh, I think even higher ceiling, to be honest. And I think Deshaun Warner actually has said that his one of his favorite players... Was is Deshaun Warner like or or, or uh, Dorrance Armstrong? I was gonna say. Sorry, <laughs> okay, Dorrance Armstrong. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I said that backwards. Huh. Uh, but I think he said that one of his favorite players is Dorrance Armstrong. So, yeah, really, really impressive player uh, and a guy that I think is even a better individual as well off the field. And uh, again, he was he was one of the guys that blew up and got a got a lot of big time offers and stuck with Kansas, you know, all the way through. And so uh, I think he's going to be a very very special player that KU fans should become familiar with very soon. I mean, Isaiah Todd, just for being a quarterback, you're going to have more value. Or, I'm sorry, Isaiah Marshall, um, you're going to have more value, and I think he's going to be a stud future quarterback for you. But just to go with somebody else, I'll, I'll, I'll mention Dak Brinkley's name here, too. Uh, Brinkley is another edge. Like, that's what's cool about this. You could argue your two highest-rated uh, freshmen coming in are both defensive ends and what that duo could kind of do down the road for you. And um, he is a 6'3", 220-pound defensive end. He is uh, ranked 249 on the ESPN 300. He's ranked in the top 350 on the uh, 24/7 Sports Composite. Uh, he's been invited to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Dude is an absolute beast. So those two on the defensive line going to be studs for you. I think if you look at who gets on the field first, uh, it might be one of the running backs with Harry Stewart or Red Martell, who we talked yesterday about with Kevin Flaherty. So uh, check that out on the podcast if you missed it. Uh, or maybe Isaiah Marshall even uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, do you have a diamond in the rough though? Like maybe a player that that you're willing to stand. That right now you're like, okay, I'm staking my flag in this guy. You mentioned him, Red Martell. Mm-hmm. I like Red Martell a lot, and uh, I think the way his style is conducive to what KU wants to do running the ball. He's a very physical runner. Uh, reminds a little bit of Daniel Highshaw when you watch him. Uh, and he's a guy that I'm I'm very very excited about. We had we had a chance to talk to him. I think we're going to get to one, his interview uh, over the summer, either today or to, on tomorrow's show. And uh, really 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 good kid. And uh, very very excited about him. And and again, not necessarily rated the highest. And I'll just say, I mean, and if you don't already know this, you know you, you should. But you got to you got to kind of take the take the rankings with a grain of salt. Take the stars with a grain of salt, right? KU's got a bunch of three star guys that are like the highest ranking of a three-star, right. basically like the highest rated, where they're one, they're basically like one percentage point away from being a four-star. So you may see, oh, why is this guy only a three-star? Well, he's, you know, one percentage point away from being a four-star. And, you know, there's different uh, various reasons why guys get ranked. You know, maybe there wasn't verifiable, you know, data of like 
their athletic skill set, things like that. There, there's all sorts of reasons why guys might be rated higher or lower. So maybe take that with a grain of salt. But yeah, Red Martell is a guy that I'm excited about, certainly, with uh, the way he runs and, and his personality. Yeah, I really like that one. John John Kamara uh, is certainly a good one. Unbelievable athlete. I am shocked that he's one of KU's you know, three or four lowest-rated recruits on the 24-7 composite. I think that goes in line with what you were just talking about there. The dude is an unbelievable athlete. He, he played corner. He played linebacker. He played nickel. He's going to be uh, unreal. But the, the one that I really want to go, Harrison Utley, 6'4", 290. We talked about he's from Norman, Oklahoma, spurned Oklahoma. He committed to KU. Then he gets the offer from Oklahoma, said, "No, you, you know what, I'm sticking with it. He has a nasty streak to him, like in a good way. As an offensive <laughs> lineman. You need that. When Yes, exactly. Yeah. And those are the guys that get the big pancakes. Uh, he He's going to play on the interior of the offensive line. Maybe he have, even ends up being a future center on the interior of the offensive line. That's going to be uh, the, the, my guy that I'm going to stick a claim in, in addition to Red Martell and, and Kamara. Uh, in addition to all these guys, but those are the ones that maybe you know aren't as, as known as, as the Austin Alexanders and uh, the big guys up top. But we talked plenty more about the class yesterday with Kevin Flaherty, so check that out on the Best of RCST podcast. Podcast if you missed it. He's uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a time out, get some audio from one of the members of the class, and then Henry Greenstein will join us after that with RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. Uh, let's start right here. It's National Signing Day, at least early period here at the end of December for KU football and 17-player uh, class in total for KU. It's a class that's been uh, renowned very well in terms of, you know, uh, one of the best that the KU has ever had by, by certain notions of it. Uh, obviously, they've got some uh, players that certainly stand out. Uh, when when you look at this class overall and, I don't know, uh, hear comments from Lance Leipold and, and everything that comes about, what to you is the theme? What is your biggest takeaway from the class of 2024 for KU football? That's a good question. I think that, for one thing, I mean, KU is punching in a weight class that it's never really been in before. I mean, some of these guys, I was just thinking about it. Deshaun Warner, or DJ, as he, as he will probably be known henceforth, it, he had offers. He, he picked KU over Texas and Washington. Those teams are about to play in the college football playoffs. After he picked KU, he got offers from Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, similarly, I mean, Warner was a huge prize, but even some of the players who weren't quite as highly touted, KU still had to overcome a lot of challenges to get them. Like, you know, Harrison Utley got an offer from his hometown school, Oklahoma, where I believe his mother works in the athletic department and still head for KU. Uh, so I think it just really shows how compelling of a sales pitch uh, the KU staff and the KU recruiting people behind the scenes have crafted. Another takeaway is uh, this class is – Heavy on the defensive ends now that they've got Graydon Grimes. That was, that was, I guess, the only surprise of signing day. And as opposed to in previous years where you might have seen a flip away from KU, you, you see KU flip someone at the last minute. Son of the offensive coordinator was probably going to play tight end at Baylor, but now they're looking at him at defensive end. So I, I, I find the Graydon Grimes pickup very interesting because we're not sure exactly who he's replacing uh, because the – defensive ends haven't really seen a lot of departures thus far but between him and the new commitment for Youngstown State uh Dylan Woodkey it seems like it seems like that's a position that KU is addressing maybe preemptively so uh, I know that was a rambling answer but lots of interesting things to think about yeah is there is there a, a player I know you mentioned uh, a couple there but maybe one player who who you feel like is the face of this class who stands out as uh I don't know, maybe being the future, so to speak, of KU football. 
Well, I think Warner uh, is probably the foremost choice, especially because he's representative of that new Arizona pipeline that Jordan Peterson has crafted. The runner-up, I would say, is Isaiah Marshall, uh, just because of obviously playing quarterback, the fact that Lance Leipold is already lightly comparing him to Jalen Daniels, and the fact that he was so successful on such a big stage in that state championship game in Michigan last month and kind of drew some attention to him that he might not have had otherwise. He still is only a three-star prospect, but uh, I believe he like out-dueled uh, one of the top players and quarterback uh, in the state as well uh, in that very game. So I would say Warner was, was Marshall as a close second. And uh, when you add to this with some of the portal gets, I know the only one announced today was Deshaun Hanica. You mentioned Dylan Woodkey, and uh, they also got Devin Dye the other day, too. Uh, when you look at the transfer portal uh, at this stage, I guess, with, with college athletics, how, how critical are these gets for uh, KU football as a program? Yeah, I think it was really interesting at the press conference, just watching it back, that, that Lance really chose to emphasize like that he very firmly believes that bringing in freshmen and bringing them up through a program uh, it is still the, the preeminent way to develop talent because what was once seen as so obvious as to not even be worth saying, that's not really the conventional wisdom anymore. I mean, you've heard about getting old and staying old, and the way you stay old is by bringing in a bunch of transfers. Now, I do think KU has no choice but to engage in the transfer portal, and, and it seems to have worked well for them. Um, but yeah, bringing in 17 freshmen uh, is certainly a commitment to long-term development and a bet that they can retain these guys uh, and not make them want to look for greener pastures elsewhere. Talking with Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. Sticking with some KU football talk, uh, a week from yesterday we'll have the guaranteed rate bowl with Kansas and UNOV, so that'll happen before we get to speak with you again here. What are you most interested in as part of that matchup outside of just, I don't know, an opportunity to, to win another game for KU? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously getting a bowl win would have would have historic significance just because this is a program that hasn't done a lot of that. But I don't know. I'll be interested to see just how motivated the team comes out. Um, not the kind of marquee opponent you might have expected, or not necessarily marquee, but certainly not a power conference opponent. And UNLV, there's a chance, could be the hungrier team in this game, which isn't something you'd normally think about. KU in a bowl game because they're so rarely there, but UNLV is really rarely there too. Um, I just I, I think that this is a potentially a game where, as we saw a few times this season, KU could get out to a poor start and then have to dig itself out of a hole, which would obviously not be super advantageous with some of the success that UNLV has had on offense. So yeah, the, the way they start uh, will be something I'll certainly be keeping an eye on. Just given how much of a recurring issue that's been. How do you think the KU defense matches up with that UNLV offense? Well, uh, they've certainly improved quite a bit. I think that uh, Brian Borwin made sure to highlight the two-back sets that UNLV uses. So there will be a lot of pressure on the Kansas linebackers who have been kind of a not much maligned, but a periodically maligned position group to remain disciplined, keep their eyes on both of those guys, and uh, you know, just some looks they might not have seen. I mean, Brennan Marion and the go-go offense, as they call it, uh, it, it's a lot of concepts that aren't at all familiar. Um, and I really think that the level of preparation they put in in the film room and in these practices leading up will dictate just how effective they are uh, at countering a, a pretty innovative scheme. 
on the flip side of the football for the uh, KU def- or the uh, KU offense against the UNLV defense, uh, what sticks out to you there about that matchup? Yeah, I think that what sticks out to me there primarily is that the UNLV defense should be pretty familiar uh, because Barry Odom was at Arkansas as a defensive coordinator and then left right before the Liberty Bowl last year. So it's a little fortuitous uh, or serendipitous even that KU finds itself against effectively the same defense uh, in back-to-back bowl games. Of course, the player personnel is largely different, but there are people like Jackson Woodard, who I believe is UNLV's leading tackler, who came from Arkansas. Um, so there should be some more familiarity there. The other thing is just I don't know what Jim Zabrowski's play calling will look like. Um, I'll be interested to see how his strategy uh, deviates from what we came to expect of Andy Kolnicki. Now, as I said in a previous appearance on this show, it, it would have been a lot more interesting to see Jim Zabrowski call plays that were something that would have any role in the KU program going forward. But it'll still be it'll still be fun as a one-off thing to see what kind of wrinkles he throws in, how uh, similar it is to what we saw the rest of the year. I mean, this is where you want to empty out the playbook. But I'm not sure if if you're a new person calling plays, you're you're quite as inclined to do so. How important is this? Is the result of this game? I know bowl games have become exhibitions, and you're seeing uh, across the country over the past handful of years, so many players opt out and you know uh, choose not to even play in the game to where it, it feels like they're starting starting to matter less and less and less. How important is this game, uh, this bowl for KU as a program? I think it's quite important because it it will represent a source of tangible progress. I, I think that it's fair to say that this year's KU team did a lot better than last year's, even regardless of how this bowl game goes, especially given they were playing with a backup quarterback or two backup quarterbacks even for most of the season. But uh, looking back on this year, I mean, it'll be a sour result if they get to a bowl game against probably an inferior opponent, certainly inferior compared to Arkansas from last year, and they come away with a loss again. Uh, You want to keep going on an upward trajectory. Things can't always be linear like that, but I think this would say a lot about where Lance Leibold has the program at and provide sort of momentum heading into the offseason. Well, when when kind of a, I don't know, a branch off of that question, I guess, uh, would be the way I want to put this. Who do you think this game is most important for? You mean between KU and UNLV? Well, no, I mean, I mean from a standpoint of, uh, obviously, you know, Lance Leipold, it, it's important for him, but if you had to pick, like, I don't know, maybe a player or, or somebody on staff like Jim Zabrowski and what this could mean as an offense coordinator or Jason Bean and getting a send-off or, I don't know, Devin Neal to try to show it off for the NFL. Like, who do you think this game uh, or, or maybe a collection of people is this game and, and the results of what happened most important for? I think your head's in the right place with Jason Bean. I think th- this season has already been the Jason Bean redemption story in a lot of ways. But considering that the thing that set all those events in motion was the end of the Liberty Bowl and, and just sailing that pass in the two-point conversion attempt, this is gonna this is a chance to be a very full circle moment for him. Obviously, he's already led KU to some of the most iconic moments in recent program history this season. And I think that his legacy, uh, regardless of whatever criticisms you might have of him, which are quite reasonable in a lot of cases, uh, his his legacy is somewhat secured. But I think that in order to really put a bow on the whole thing, it'll be super important for him to get this win. I have no doubt he'll be one of the most motivated guys out there. 
Uh, switching over to some KU basketball. They take on Yale on, on Friday night, and we found out uh, the other day Johnny Furphy not going to be playing in the game. He's going back home for something that was already planned some, uh, to, to head back home, so he won't be as part of that. W- without Johnny Furphy against Yale, which player, which KU uh, basketball other guy do you think has the most to gain by him not being there? Uh, well, I think, you know, I mean, obviously there are two principal options. It would be Nick Timberlake or Jamari McDowell. And I think the answer has got to be Timberlake. I think that Jamari McDowell, it's kind of clear, at least from what we've seen so far, that Bill Self is not going to let Jamari McDowell's role ascend above a certain point, at least to this juncture in the season. And that really for Jamari, it seems to be about making the most of limited minutes, which he has done so far. And he's earned confidence from Bill Self. But Timberlake, I feel, you know, he's done so poorly this year that really there, I mean, there's nowhere to go but up for him. And this is going to be a chance for some of the longest and most extended playing time. And the extended aspect of it is particularly key for someone who's a shooter and needs to get into a rhythm. Um, I think that this has a chance to be the Nate Timberlake coming out party. We'll see what happens. Uh, Obviously, it's against Yale, and so both self would – even tell you not to put too much stock in games that take place against sort of just eminently inferior opponents. But even so, just the confidence gained from just like a solid showing for Nick Timberlake could do wonders heading into conference play. And uh, when you look at this game, I I guess – it's it's the final game before the break, which I know there's still one more non-con game, but I, I don't know. To me, it feels like this kind of breaks up the season a little bit. Um, do you have more questions or less questions at this point in time about how good the team is or what this team is now than, than maybe when the season began about a month and a half ago? Well, it's difficult to say because I one thing that's become extremely clear to me is that this team has an incredibly high feeling. I mean... They have played poorly against top teams on the road, namely at Indiana and at neutral sites, namely against Tennessee. I I guess they played pretty well against Tennessee, but they have not even come close to reaching their full potential, and they've still pulled out insanely difficult road wins. Uh, The the atmosphere at Assembly Hall was pretty remarkable, especially for a lot of players who hadn't experienced anything like that in their career. Um, And yet KU was still able to overcome that, Kevin McCullough goes down as the hero of a game in which he shot three for 11 from the field. Like, if, <laughs> if, if he's just shooting a little bit better than that, the team's in a whole other stratosphere. So that's kind of my main impression right now is this team can go as far as it wants uh, based on the results that it's seen so far because it's already doing pretty well while not even getting close to its ultimate feeling. I always uh, finish off our conversations asking you what's going on at KUSports.com. I'm, I'm going to pick something specific right now. You have your year in re- your review right now that's out there, part one, which obviously implies to me there's going to be another part coming out at some point here. Uh, when you went back and, and revisited some stuff and, and found some of the past stories from this past year, was was there anything that, that when you were putting this together you just completely forgot about that happened that kind of got re-upped in your mind from putting this together? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate you highlighting that. I, I think one thing that came to mind was, was KU softball. I had totally forgotten that they knocked off Oklahoma State and got that, that big conference win uh, in the tournament. Um, I, and likewise, I, I guess, the, uh, the, just looking back, because this was before I got here, the, the sort of emotional senior night victory with Kevin McCuller 
in a loose ball against Texas Tech and Jalen Wilson and all that. Um, you know, we were already hearing that kind of reference as a legendary moment by Bill Self. I remember there was a, uh, a video of them at boot camp where right before he was making a guy's run, he was being like, how did we win the Big 12 last year? It wasn't a shot. It was a loose ball, and Kevin got. And so I, I think it was nice to kind of go back and read about that and uh, learn more about a moment that's already kind of becoming iconic and that helps him get the Big 12 regular season championship last year. But, yeah, keep an eye out for, for two more parts. I'm putting out one each week, just a, a fun thing I sort of picked up from the paper I worked at previously and uh, trying to just create interesting stuff for people to read during this time of year. There we go. He is Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Henry, appreciate the time as always, man. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah, my pleasure. That was Henry Greenstein, KUSports.com, Lawrence Journal World. Thank you to Henry for hopping on the show. One hour down, hour 15 minutes to go. Again, we're out early today for uh, Hawk Talk coming at you at 5.15 for the KU Bowl Game Special. That'll go till 6.15 when the uh, KU Nebraska pregame takes over for women's basketball. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app, KU Mailbag, next. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind. And they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. If you're looking for Hawk Talk, which uh, started at 3.30 for the bowl game special, we're going to be airing it on delay later on at 5.15. You can listen to it live right now, though, over on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. So, uh, 105.9 KISS, 105.9KISS.com. You can tune in to Hawk Talk. We're going to be going here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk till 5.15, and then we're going to air Hawk Talk on tape delay here on KLWN. Uh, Hawk Talk then from 5.15 to 6.15, and then at 6.15, we'll have your pregame coverage for Kansas versus Nebraska uh, for the big KU women's basketball game tonight in Allen Fieldhouse. we tip off at 6.30, that right here on KLWN2. Uh, we're going to get to some more uh, signing day interview audio coming up throughout the rest of the hour, and we'll get to some more signing day stuff at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, too. But before we do that, we've got another edition of our KU mailbag. First up, Ike. If Devin Neal has 300 rushing yards, I assume in the bowl game, does that change his decision? Oh, in the bowl game. Okay, yeah. Wow. I, wow. Whatever. So if wow. he has 300 yards in the bowl game, does that change wow. his decision? Well, I guess the first part of this, for all we know, his decision has been guess, possibly already made. Like I don't know. He could be going pro. He, he might not be. So no. maybe this doesn't change it one way or another. But uh, let's assume for, for the sake of this question that his decision right now is leaning towards staying. Okay. If he has 300 yards in the bowl game, do you think that gets him over the edge to be like, I'm gone? Mm, I, I don't know, man. Like, I have a hard time believing that a one-off game would heavily sway one way or the other, right? I mean, I don't even, I mean, unless he had like, you know, 500 yards and six touchdowns or something. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't feel like it would change it. No. Um, Maybe if I think the the one way you could spin it is like, well, maybe if KU like maybe if KU loses the bowl game and Devin Neal's like, you know what, I don't want to go out, I want to go out and and 
go out on a win or I want to win a bowl game, like maybe that has some factor involved. Uh, I don't know, man. You know, with, with with guys like this, there's so many there's so many different things that can be involved, right? I mean, you know, he it it depends on what kind of feedback he hears, right, from NFL guys, from NFL scouts, whatever. Maybe it depends on what KU is offering NIL-wise for him to come back. Depends on what KU is, you know, what maybe Jeff Grimes has a hand in it of, ta- of saying, hey, you know, we're going to feature you or we're going to do this, this, and this, whatever, if you come back or whatever. So I don't know. I don't feel like a one-game performance will significantly impact one way or the other. So there's this uh, cool little site called that I found a couple days ago called NFL Mock Draft database.com that is a handful but uh anyway it it basically is a aggregate site that puts together a bunch of different mock drafts around right because there's there's so many different sites you can get your mock draft info some right uh or from now uh espn the athletic cbs wherever right uh, a bunch of these different blogs and you can go and like click on a player and see the different uh, it, it has like an aggregate ranking it has the best ranking um it has like the individual where they are going in some of these different spots. So uh, when you click on Devin Neal, um, his right now, his overall ranking is 194th, which would put you at about like a late fifth. What is that? Yeah, fifth round? Or a sixth round pick, I think. Sixth round pick. Um, His best ranking, 128th, that would put you more being like a back end fourth round pick. Um, And that that stock is, is... uh, been one that uh, kind of just differs on like the, here's one from November 18th from Pro Football Network that has him 84th right so that's that's a lot different that's more of a late third round pick uh, versus like draft countdown from December has him 175th right but I think uh, for the most part you look at the aggregate here and it, it says yeah like basically day three pick is basically the, the estimation here that is different for running backs because if you're a day three pick as a quarterback you might not make the roster, hypothetically. If your day three pick is a running back, like Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh-round pick, and he's starting by the back half of his rookie season. Running backs have a different way about it to where, um, yes, you would like to be a higher draft pick and, and make more money and have more guarantee and stuff, but uh, the running back is not one of those positions where you should necessarily be like, oh, I'm a fifth-round draft pick. I should definitely go back to school, and, and maybe I can be a fourth-round draft pick because it doesn't really matter in that same way. So I would understand if he does go pro, you start your clock early. Um, running back is not a position that you have maybe as, as long of careers as other positions. Then again, he is he is a year younger uh, than yeah, he's only his normal class. Twenty, I think. Right? Yeah, 21? he's only twenty right now, I believe. I, I don't know. Maybe turned he's soon. recently turned twenty-one. I don't know. Uh, I know he was seventeen at the time when he was a freshman. So uh, technically, even if he comes back for another year, he would still be the age of typical juniors. Yeah. Uh, there is the history aspect of this of that if he comes back. He'll be like 900 yards away from breaking the all-time rushing mark at KU, and he'll have a chance to do even more team success uh, in his time with Kansas and and, and everything. So um, certainly something where uh, he would have a lot to play for, and I'd imagine make a lot of NIL. Um, but if you rush for 300 yards in a bowl game, it's it, it's not the stand like KU's bowl game is not a standalone game, but it's the night game. It would certainly draw a lot of traction. Scouts watch a lot of these bowl games. They go to a lot of these bowl games live. That would get you a lot, and and that would be a little bit of like you're leaving out on top to a certain standpoint. So I would understand it, but honestly, I don't think it does have an impact. Yeah, I think I, whatever his decision is is going to be. I think I think there's just too separate. many too many other factors that to me would weigh more significantly than. The performance in the bowl game. Right. That's what I think. 
yeah. So I, I just think they're kind of separate things. All right, this one from Josh. Now that we're a year out from last year's KU football recruiting class, whose stock has risen and dropped the most from the class of 2023? Mm. All right, so you look at the class of 2023. There's a couple names that jump out to me as stock that has risen. I think probably the guy that's had his stock rise the most, Calvin Clements. Yeah. So I think, right? I mean, he's a guy that was committed to Baylor, then flips to KU, and has come in and sounds like he's he's been a monster, basically, as a freshman. And a guy that maybe KU didn't initially feel this way, but now it kind of seems like he's profiling to be your your next tackle. Maybe, well, I, I don't know, left or right, one, one of your next tackles, right? Uh, so he's probably the guy that I would say has risen the most. Uh, I think you could also throw a guy like Keaton Kubeka in there who saw some playing time early in the season as a wide receiver on special teams, and I think his stock has probably risen a, a little bit. Uh, you look at someone like Jamil Croft in the secondary, his stock's probably gone up a little bit. Uh, See, I think his I think, stock was already high. Yeah, it, uh, it, would all, it already was pretty high. Yeah. So I think Calvin Clement's probably the one that's that's gone up the most, I would say. Uh, in terms of guys that have dropped, so here I, I'm. I'm gonna quote this to you. Where would you, where do you classify Damon Greens? <laughs> He's technically a um, part of the 2023 recruiting class. Yeah, true. And he was your starting punter, and uh, he was probably a little bit better than what you had last year, but yeah, not that much better. But see, I think this is about the player specifically. Like from his standpoint, he was a starter in year one. Okay, How fine. How that be stocks down? Sure. Right? Okay, fine, fine. I think for me, the stocks down would have to be from the receiver position. I, I think stock certainly is up, like you said, Keaton Quebecca. Feels like we haven't heard a lot on Siraz Buncombe and Jared Sample. Yeah. So I, I don't know if stocks down maybe there. Uh, one other I would, I would throw out for stocks up, Taylor Davis. He was a six-foot safety that you brought in. Heard really good things about him uh, back in camp. And then I believe he'll he'll be redshirting this year. Maybe he's somebody who uh, you know in a year or two ends up being as part of that safety rotation. You think Jayden Logan? Hamm also. You think uh, Logan Brantley stocks up a little bit? Yeah, I think stocks up on him because when you look at Brantley. the recruiting rankings, he was one, one of the great lower rated ones. He was one of the lower rated ones, but yeah. I, I think the expectations for him to be a pretty good player for you. So, yeah, I, I would say uh, Clements would probably be number one because even though he was one of your highest rated recruits as an offensive lineman, the fact that he's going to have a chance—I mean, he was he was on the two deep. Yeah, the fact that he's gonna have a chance to get on the field in the bowl game, more than um, likely. Yeah, pretty, pretty special for for a young freshman, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's official, but it seems like Dominic Pony might be trending toward uh, sitting out to prepare for the NFL draft, and Kevin Coleman to be your next guy mm-hmm. in that in that situation, right? So, uh, yeah, get a chance to get a good look at him. You know, I was thinking it's it's kind of hard to say, oh, stocks are down on this guy, this guy, or this guy, because these are players that we don't see on the field. You know, in games, obviously, and you know we're not we're not at every single practice seeing what's going on, uh, so it's hard to say. Well, stocks are down on this guy, stocks are down on that guy. You know, if you know, it's just it's just hard to say, right? If uh, some of the you know because the some of these guys could be very very talented players that just aren't getting on the field because KU has a, a talented roster right now that has a mm-hmm. lot of guys on it, right? So, uh, in terms of guys that stocks are down on, it's hard to say. But for up, yeah, I think Clements, and you look at to you know some of the some of the freshmen that are that you do have tangible evidence seem to be that they seem to be improving guys that have made the two deep or have gotten into some games i do like this question though because i like the process of it because so i i actually want to take this further if, if you don't mind because i i think there's something to the idea of it, it's almost like the mlb draft you draft a guy you sign a guy 
and then they maybe won't get on the fields because it takes development for a couple of years that you really can't evaluate yeah. that draft class in, in the MLB that, you know, even in the NFL, it takes a couple of years, right? So maybe we should start evaluating the draft class from, what, like three years ago, four years ago? Yeah, or the, the recruiting class. So should today we be evaluating? Yeah, sorry, the, the recruiting class. I guess you could look at, what uh, look at Leipold 2021? first class. Yeah. First screen class. Is that fair? Because he didn't really have a chance to, I don't know, fully recruit that. Like, those were mostly, I, I guess he joined in the spring. But we can look at that class, even though, like, like it wasn't Leipold's guys. It was less Miles' guys that he brought on. Devin sure. Neal. Sure. Okay. Stock is up. As Good. much as he was your top recruit, stock is still up. DJ Withers was your number two recruit. I think stock is about neutral there. You would expect. Pretty good. Your second best recruit by year three playing. He did. Yep. Demarion Alexander transferred. Conrad Hawley transferred playing basketball. Uh, Edwin White, he transferred. Jason Gilliam, stock maybe up a little bit. Um, DK Stearns, not really playing. Magic Rector transferred. OJ Burroughs, stock definitely up. Uh, Keelan Robinson transferred. Corey Robinson, I don't know who that is. Uh, Mason Brotherton, not on the roster. Trace Staley, who are some of these people? Devontae Wilson. Uh, Tommy Dunn, stocks up there. James Wright, Tanaka Scott, uh, kind of went up and down. Finished on a down, I guess, with the transfer. Yeah. Cameron Dabney, Larson Workman, Ben Easters. So there, there's a couple there that are maybe stocks. Say, uh, stocks stocks neutral on Ben Easters. Yeah. I would say stocks up on, on like Tommy Dunn. Big time on OJ Burroughs. Uh, stocks neutral on Withers, and then and then stocks up big time still on Devin Neal, and then the rest would be kind of down. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of an interesting exercise. All right, uh, this one from Aaron. Pick one. One okay. free meal a day from the same restaurant of your choice for the rest of your life. Mm. It's only free if you dine in, though. So you can't get it to go. But <laughs> okay. there's the caveat. Every three years, you get to add one thing. So you can, like, add your spouse gets to eat there free now, too. Or you add a second restaurant to choose from. Or... Your thing okay, that you get to add is, all, is you do get to allow. The spouse delivery. thing does nothing for me. Well, it does nothing. for me. Okay, well, it doesn't. It does nothing you for take me. A friend. Well, you don't have to pick that one. Like in the. Third I guess maybe year, in three years, maybe I might have a spouse. I don't well, know. also in year three, it's it's you get to pick what you want to add on. So like in year three, you can be like, now I do allow. Now they do allow delivery or takeout, right? Mm. Um, whatever okay. you want to do. So basically, free restaurant of your choosing with some nice perks. Number so two, I can pick like. You know, a five-star restaurant. You could, or you know, I don't know. I thought you would pick Raising Cane's. Well, okay, I did. That did cross my mind, but the thing is, is Raising Cane's has literally four menu items: three tenders, four tenders, six tenders, and a chicken sandwich. Okay, they have coleslaw. So, if I'm looking for variety, you know, do I really want that every single Uh day? I mean, listen, there were times during my college career at KU that I would go there two to three times a week, (laughs) but every day, no, I'd want it. I would. To me, I think a really good option here is Cheesecake Factory. They have a, a bajillion menu. menu items. You can get something new every day. But see, you realize that the closest Cheesecake Factory is in Kansas City. Well, I know it wouldn't. I know, but it, so I'm I'm going to take this hypothetical as if there, whatever restaurant I choose, I would build one in Lawrence specifically for me. No, I don't think you're allowed to. <laughs> I think you have to under what? your current life right now. Yes, that's how it works. <laughs> That so has I to can't be a part tell him to build, you know. No, that has to be a part of. That was that thinking, be like, part of the idea. I'll just have Gordon Ramsay build his Las Vegas restaurant <laughs> no, in no, Lawrence, and I'll go that. there every day. No, it has to be part of what is actually available to you right now. All right, so that's <laughs> option one. Option two: KU football, the Chiefs, and the Royals gifted you a premium suite at all of their home games for the next ten years. Mm. You're allowed to bring five people to your suite with you. 
If you can't make the game, you cannot sell your suite to someone or let anyone else use it unless you are physically there. So you can't so like, make extra money. I, so off. if I have five friends that I take to the suite, but then there's like one time where I can't go, my five friends can't then Correct. go. I have to. And be you there. can't sell it either, so you're not even making money off it. You just you go. Well, but wouldn't wouldn't KU the Chiefs and the Royals want me to sell it or want me to get people to go if I'm not there? It doesn't matter. This is in this hypothetical. That's not allowed. So, I'll tell you my knee jerk reaction. My initial reaction was, obviously, I'm taking the sweets. Slam dunk, no questions okay. asked. But you know, I really started to think about it. I could really pick, you know, a place and and have really good food every day, you know. But think about this. Not every day do I have the opportunity to go and eat out and go out to dinner and sit down or go out to lunch and sit down, you know. Sometimes you work, life, whatever. You don't always you don't you don't always have, you know, 30, 45 minutes an hour every single day to go sit down and eat somewhere. So, I'm thinking I I'm thinking I would go with the sweet here. Okay. Because who cares if I if I don't go, who cares? If it's just empty, who cares? Right. Not me. I don't care. Well, see, the thing is, though, I feel like you would be you would feel obligated to go to a lot of games, and like that would be a lot if you're having to go to every Royals home game, go to the suite. Yeah, I wouldn't. Like I you wouldn't said, feel you don't obligated. have to. I wouldn't feel obligated at all. But I would feel obligated, um, and I, I don't know, man. That that'd be a lot. Like. Then again, well, think about it this way: Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you not feel obligated to go sit down at a restaurant for an hour every day? What's that's the difference? The thing. What's the, the difference? The time, like on one hand, it would be saving me time from cooking every day. Yeah. So I think the real question here is: Would I be losing time from because it's it's like an hour to? Would you sit be down. willing to do it for three years to get? And then you could start getting to get the delivery out because then you could just get it straight. I to think your I house. would go with the restaurant because the, the beauty of the restaurant one is it's in perpetuity. Well, and it's I will forever. say, you know. The there sweet is, one ends in ten years, and then after the ten years are up, you're going to be like, yeah, once you crap. go to regular seat, <laughs> once you go to regular seating, you're going to be like, this is not what I'm used to. Well, and I, I you spoil know, there's something to be said about the idea of, dude. Sometimes it's nice to just sit back in your recliner and watch a game on TV. And if you're sweet going to my sweet basement yeah. every single game, then you wouldn't get that really that much. No, I, I would definitely take the restaurant. The question is, what restaurant would I take? I would say, I would take the sweet one if I was like guaranteed that I also had like you know whatever the best parking pass was. I think you can assume you get all the royalties and amenities. Okay, so, so I get, get a good it, parking it's packed pass. with food and you know liquor, alcohol. You get a parking pass. You get all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Hey, listen, I went to a sweet at the Oklahoma State game, KU football. It was dangerous. Mm -hmm. It was dangerous. Because well, see, they just had unlimited whatever you wanted. That was dangerous. Part of the thing I ate this, a lot of like pulled pork ribs and stuff. I guess for me is that I'm not a Royals fan. So if if hypothetically I was a Royals fan, maybe I would take that one because the the thing with like the KU football and the Chiefs one is that's such a limited time of year. That's 14 times over a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the restaurant one, you're getting 365. So it's just the the amount of times. Yeah, but again, do you are you do you can you for sure say you have an hour every single day to go and sit down at a restaurant and eat. No, exactly. So you won't even but be able to use to it every at day. the restaurant. It's just a one free meal a day. You see, yeah, you're right. You won't use it every day. And what if you're out of town? What if you're traveling? See, but unless you pick a chain restaurant and then you could apply it to that's any restaurant you go to. See, I think that becomes the interesting conversation here. Do you pick a restaurant like you said that's that the equivalent See, to I'm a cheesecake factory? Cheesecake factory makes the most sense. It does because they have so much stuff. But then that's the true sit down. If you go to a fast food place, even though it's it, you have to sit down there, it is a much faster sit down. But again, 
you're gonna get so tired are. of eating whatever that is, whatever you pick. But also, then you could get it anywhere, no matter where you were. You know, I'm just thinking you want to pick something that you have a wide variety of. You know, because you don't want to be eating you don't want to be eating Mexican food every single day. Right. You don't want to be eating chicken strips every single day. You don't want to yeah. be eating you know. You don't want to because like I like Chipotle, but dude, you just, you I'd have to buy that. a new toilet <laughs> for eating Chipotle every day. Well, let's would, be honest, man. I don't know where I'd pick. That's a good question. I, I would take the restaurant, though. Final answer. I'll just be, I'll, I'll take this wait. I'll take right. this wait. Uh, this one from Seth. Would you rather KU beat UNLV in the bowl game or Kansas land a random five-star player on signing day today? Mm. You know, honestly, I think I'd rather KU win the bowl game against UNLV because in this day and age, let's say you do get a five-star player. They come in, and for whatever reason, you know, maybe the fit doesn't work or something doesn't work. That dude could very easily transfer. transfer. A year or two. Yeah. In one year. And then it doesn't matter. And then it doesn't matter. Good and job. And also, five-star players sometimes don't work out, right? Yeah. Look at Malachi Nelson. Yeah. That dude leaves USC, and he's going to – his next his best option Offers is Hawaii. Like Hawaii. Tulane. San Jose State. You know, no yeah. offense to Tulane, but, I mean, what are we doing? So, uh, yeah, I would take KU winning the bowl game against UNLV. I think it means more. It would set the program on the right trajectory. Landing a five-star recruit, it would be – while it would be cool and everyone would be like, oh, this is sweet – in sure. this day and age, there's no guarantee that you get that guy for more than one season, and then he might transfer out for whatever reason. So if this is an either-or where I can only have one, I agree with you. I'm taking the bowl game because one five-star in football does not – it. even if it is a player who hits, yes, it, it certainly helps, but it doesn't change everything. You know, like um, that's not the BL end-all. Like you said, they could transfer in a year or two anyway. If this is not – uh, I guess inclusive to just one of them, though. I think you do take the second one. Like basically, if this is saying you get one of the other guaranteed, and the other could still happen, KU could. If you guarantee the bowl win for KU, they're not going to land a five-star player today. We know that. But if you're guaranteeing them landing a five-star player today, they could still beat UNLV in the bowl game and get the five-star. You could have no, no, no. I think too. I read this as an either-or. They're inclusive, though. I think this is an either-or. Okay, yeah. then in that case, yeah, I would pick the uh, bowl win. I think this is either-or. Yeah. This one from Roger. More draft picks in the 2024 drafts of each for KU, NBA or NFL? Mm. All right, so in the NBA draft, you're looking at, let's, okay. Kevin. Maximum of three. Kevin, El Marco, Hunter Dickinson. Maybe El Marco. And maybe Hunter Dickinson. I mean, yeah. Um, I think right now you would say Kevin feels like a sure thing to be I would drafted, agree. Right? So one. And then, yeah, those would be so two maybe maximum of three. Right. For Any KU. chance that Furphy goes off and you make the national title game and he has a no, nice I tournament run? No, and I don't think so. Ends up being an early second-round pick. I mean, I mean honestly, K.J. Adams has been up, popped up on some Yeah, on some I think that's going to be hard without shooting. But I, I guess that's possible. But, yeah, I think, I think if you were setting the over-under, you'd put it at two? Yeah, I think you three max. One and a half? I think three max. I think you're right. So then you look at KU football. Dominic Pooney is Dominic Pooney is going to be drafted about day two. One thousand percent. You think by day two? Yes, he'll be drafted day two. I'm very confident. Okay, so that's I hope one. So. Um, that's one, and then I think you're looking at a maximum Jason of Bean get a late draft pick. No, he's a he's okay. an undrafted free agent guy. I think. Okay. I think for football, you're looking at a maximum of three. Also. Devin Neal With has a decision. Devin Neal, Austin Booker has a decision. Austin Booker and Dominic Pooney. Dominic, yeah. So maximum of Cole three. Bryant still has a decision. I Leo guess, I guess maybe four. Does Kenny Logan get drafted? 
I think there's just more names Doubt to it? throw out there for football. I think you have to take football. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there's seven rounds of NFL with, you know. Because I think for both right now, there's the one certainty. Pooney, Kevin. Right? Agree. Yeah. With football, there are more guys that still have decisions to be made. Austin Booker, Kobe Bryant, Devin Neal. If any of those go out, I feel like they would be drafted. But who knows? Maybe all of them come back. Maybe one of them transfer. Who knows, right? Um, of the seniors, I think, but I think Fairchild has, has a shot at being a day three pick. I think Kenny Logan has a shot at being a day three pick. Um, maybe Devin Phillips has a shot at being like a, a, a day three pick. Maybe. Okay, yeah. If you're going with football. I think there's just more there. I'm going football. Could be. Because, I mean, the NBA, they, they don't really care about centers anymore, unfortunately. No, I know. So, I mean, then you're thinking maybe two right. with El Marco. But El Marco definitely is not a guy that's on a draft board right no, now, I don't no. think. No, right now. All right, last one from Randy. Uh, if you could reset one KU athlete's eligibility and they stay four years, who do you pick? Mm. Uh, I think Hunter Dickinson's a pretty obvious choice here. You got Hunter Dickinson for four years, Bill Self, and that's not pretty good to you. On football, on the football side. What if you just did Dewan Harris for the sake of like? <laughs> that'd be really funny to be like he just never is going to leave. On the football side, JB Brown. JB Brown. What, don't you want him for? I love, love JB Brown, but that seemed, seemed like a very odd, odd answer. What else? Who else do you want to go with on football? Jason Bean. No, because you have Jalen Daniels. I know, but Jason Bean got so much better over the course of his career. What if you could reset? I don't his- think you pick a quarterback here. At all, because you have you feel like you have Jalen and then Marshall and then you know David. I mean Devin Neal, I, Devin Neal, I think is Devin Neal would be a good one, a really good option. Daniel Highshaw maybe because he's been hurt the past, for two years. Dominic you get Pooney. four years of Daniel Highshaw. You get four years of Pooney instead of having only two. Yeah, yeah, a good offensive lineman. Yeah, if Austin Booker leaves this year, would could you say that Austin Booker would be a good option? No, I think you want someone who. Well, okay, I guess in this hypothetical, they, they're guaranteed they stay four years. Then, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, if he leaves after this year, that's indicative that he was going to leave early. But I guess as part of this, you're guaranteed. You're guaranteeing, yeah. What about Kobe? Another four years? Kobe Bryant? Good. Yeah. I just said J.B. Brown because you love J.B. Brown. So I, I thought that like would get a, Brown, a reaction out of you. <laughs> uh, to me, Gertis? I think <laughs> I think Hunter Dickinson's the option here. I think Hunter Dickinson's the answer, yeah. <laughs> what about Kevin McCuller, though? There's a case. Because the beauty about having having if you if you're basically saying we're resetting his clock, if you're starting your roster with a center, that eliminates you from getting like any other center on your uh, like in recruiting. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you have the best one already, so who cares? I, I get that, but if you if you start it with a wing, you are open to bring on any other players. And you can play them at the two, the three, the four. I guess the logic there would be you if you start with a wing, recruiting. you can still bring in other wings. Right. It if just you gives start you with more center, openings. In recruiting. I guess. But again, you have the best one, so who who cares? That's true. But what does it matter? And you wouldn't have like Flory Badunga or all these other built up big men that you'd probably bring in in a couple of years. I don't know. I might go Kevin. All right. I'll stick with Hunter. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU mailbag. Uh, thank you for submitting. You can hit us up with questions for next week at RCST1320 on Twitter. DM us, tweet us, whatever. Uh, email RCST1320AM at gmail.com. All right, more uh, KU football recruiting audio interviews coming up next. 
Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We are out early today, so this will be our final segment of the show. Don't forget, you can find anything you miss with the best of RCST podcast anywhere as you get your podcast, including now at KUSports.com. Our podcast is brought to you by Massage Envy, and uh, we are going to be shifting out of the way early because we're going to be airing Hawk Talk. There was a Hawk Talk bowl game special with Lance Leipold and Brian Haney. That aired at 3.30 earlier today. We played it for you live over on our sister station, 105.9 KISS, uh, but we're going to be playing it here on tape delay from 5.15 to 6.15. Then at 6.15, we're going to have pregame coverage take over for the Kansas-Nebraska women's basketball game over at Allen Fieldhouse with tip-off scheduled for 6.30, so you can hear right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN. Today is National Signing Day around college football. We talked earlier in the show how this class is pretty remarkable, pretty special for KU football. Uh, 17 commits, but the quality of of commits, even though it's not a huge quantity of commits, is pretty spectacular. 14 of the 17 have an 86 grade or better in the 24-7 composite. It means 82%. Um, outside of last year, they hadn't had another year with 40% or more. But I, I think, you know, beyond this being a class about this one year, this class of 2024, and obviously you're going to look to string it along with the class of 2025 and 2026 and everything. When you look at last year's, too, I think a little underrated. It only had 14 commits, but the same idea. Nine of the 14 were rated 86 or better on the 24-7 composite. Six of the 14 were top 1,000. This year, it's 10 of the 17. And when you look at what they're folding in back-to-back years, this isn't just a one-year thing. Like, yes, this is KU's best class, but they had a really good class by KU standards last year, too. Yeah, and think about it. You're about to build a brand-new stadium. I can't think of a better selling point for young recruits than saying, hey, listen, we just funneled almost half a billion dollars into our into this large project of a new stadium. We already have upgraded locker rooms. They're going to be adding, doing additional upgrades to the Anderson Family Football Complex. Uh, you know, they're doing all this stuff to upgrade the upgrade the facilities. So it's not just now it's, it's not just a selling point of, hey, you know, listen, you can be a part of building something. You can be a part of building something both literally and metaphorically. You can build, you know, be a part of unveiling the new stadium, the brand new stadium. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot of positives to sell on for KU. You know, I think about this KU program, and you know, previously, I mean, if you were at an opposing program, think about how easily it would be to negative recruit KU. That team hasn't won on the road in 12 years. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't done this. They haven't done that. They haven't won a Big 12 game on the road in you know 10 years. They haven't all the, all these different things that you could say negatively about KU if you're if you were from a different program. Well, what can you say now? Lance Leipold has is been building up this program. They had a successful season last year based off of, you know, the maybe preseason expectations. Coming to this season and through all the adversity that they faced this season, you end up with an eight, an eight and four record, a chance to win nine games, something KU's only done half a dozen times in their entire history of over a hundred years, and they have a chance to do that this season. And then you 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 know, the trajectory goes upward from there. Oh, and then you throw in the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big Twelve. We've talked about this before. In the new age Big 12, there's no reason that this Kansas program, the way they're playing right now, can't be a top four, top three program in the conference year in and year out. You look at what Utah has built under Kyle Whittingham, that's pretty good. Kansas State is probably going to be in that conversation a little bit. But then after that, it's, you know, I don't know, Texas Tech, this is supposed to be their year. (laughs) Baylor. (laughs) TCU. Bad year after making it in the national title. So the, 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 the opportunity is there for KU to really solidify themselves as one of the top programs in this conference. 
and it starts with building up the building up uh, and having strong recruiting classes. And as you said, you know, in the air of the transfer portal, that definitely helps. But I think Lance Leipold is right, and I think he's taking the right approach of you need to have developed talent, you need to have strong recruiting classes at the high school level that you bring in to 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 be the foundational pillar of your program. And I think it's pretty clear based off of what Lance Leipold has done with the last two recruiting classes that he has that that's his strategy, and he's mm-hmm. executing it to a pretty high level. And again, Lance Leipold came to Kansas as a program builder, as a guy that was known for developing talent. And again, when you're able to now get guys at Kansas where they are starting from a place that is so much further advanced than probably anybody Lance Leipold dealt with at Buffalo. So now you're starting with guys that are already at a much higher level that then you can take to an even higher level with your development that you have if you're if you're Lance Leipold at this program. And, and again, I, I think all those things point to future recruits looking at this program and saying, hey, I want I want to be a part of that. Like I want to I want to be a part of the new stadium. I want to be a part of, you know, competing for the Big 12 title. I want to be a part of a program that has risen from the ashes and doesn't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. I think that's what most impressive to me, the idea that when you looked at this staff at Buffalo, like their recruiting rankings were in the hundreds, they were in the one t- one teens, the 120s, whatever it was. They were just all about development. And I've said all the all along that I don't know that there's that big of a difference if you're saying, hey, we're recruiting class number 60 in the country versus number 80 in the country. We're recruiting class number 30 in the country to number 40 in the country. We're recruiting class number 80 to number 120. I don't know that there's that much of a, of a difference there. There is a difference once you start getting into that you know, top 25 range. 45 to 120. Sure, of course there is. And there's a difference between 20 and 50, right? Like, like there, there are levels there. There are gaps there. And I think the closer you get to number one, number five, number 10, the more those gaps start to go about because that's where you start getting into the otherworldly NFL draft future guys, right? But I think I think somewhere in there, maybe really the, I don't know, the, the 35, the 30 to 100, and uh, maybe that's too big of a, a range, the, the 40 to 80 range, somewhere in that range, I think it's less about I think a lot of those teams are getting similar rated players, I guess the point. It's high three stars, it's middle three stars, right? Like, that's the difference. The the teams were rated 45, maybe you had one extra four star and a couple more highly rated three stars, and the team rated 60, it's a couple more middle tier rated three stars. I don't think the difference is that much. I think the difference when you're talking in that range, which is where KU lives in, is the developmental game. And that's what's most exciting here is that you have a coaching staff, you have a program that is so good, that excels at the developmental game, and now you're adding on a program and a staff that has done an unbelievable job at developing, and now they are starting to recruit a lot. I, I know they're ranked like 46th or 48th or whatever it's been fluctuating throughout the day, where it is in that range that I'm talking about. But if you're looking at it from a standpoint of the average level of recruit they're bringing in, they are closer to being in that top 40, right? And now you're bringing on that level of recruit we haven't seen at KU. In addition to having this developmental staff, it's exciting, man. And as much as it's felt like to me this has been a renaissance for KU football, and you, you almost, there's a part of you that's looking ahead to a couple of years where it's like, ah, oh, but that's going to suck in a couple of years. They're not going to have Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal and Kobe Bryant and all these great players that have been pillars of building up this program to what it is. It is not a situation of once those players leave, you're screwed. It is a situation of because of the way you're recruiting the past couple of years, because of what you are as a staff, you almost feel like 
the recruiting classes that are bringing in the last two years, that they could take you to levels that you have never even been, even with the current players here now. And the future is bright for KU football, and that's an awesome thing for uh, KU moving in the direction that they are with Lance Leipold and the staff at them. Yeah, one other thing that uh, you touched on there that I'd, I'd like to say is you met, you mentioned the recruiting rankings, like if you're a team, 40, 50, whatever. Well, a lot of the recruiting services, they take into account the number of recruits you have, right? So KU, KU has 17 recruits. Last year they had 14 recruits. There may be schools out there that have, in totality, maybe not as good of an average recruit as KU, but if they had 19 commits or 20 commits, they might be ranked higher. So it, it just, the you know, the recruiting services – Again, you have to take it with a grain of salt, right? But you, you feel pretty good about where, where KU's at and, and considering that they are able to get this talent that you feel like Lance Leipold can, can elevate even further. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's going to do it for us today here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got Hawk Talk, a bowl game special with Lance Leipold and Brian Haney coming at you next. That'll take you till 6.15, which is when pregame coverage for Kansas-Nebraska women's basketball will take over. We tip off for that one scheduled at 6.30, all right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Don't forget, you can check out anything you missed today on the Best of RCST podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including at kusports.com. See you tomorrow. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.